I remember thinking back in April and May, the early pandemic era, that there would be a, a beneficial side effect to all this stripping away of our distractions, comforts, and freedom. The virus will force us to focus on what truly matters in our lives, I thought. Like someone receiving a fatal diagnosis, with the threat of death one contaminated surface away, we would finally grasp the essential, the core gem that spun and sparkled in our soul, then pare away any remaining layers to let it shine. And so we did, for a time. The outpouring of kindness and concern for others was inspiring at every level of society. People sang on balconies to each other. Thousands of pizzas were delivered to hospital workers. Governments handed out checks to get us through. Here at St. Luke's, a dozen of you contacted me early on, asking if any of our older parishioners needed help buying groceries or running errands, offering to risk your life, actually, to make sure we were all cared for. It was a beautiful time, life-affirming. We were all even more relational than we would have been in normal times. But then, like any disaster relief effort with a long recovery period, our energy flagged. I think the initial catharsis of being in crisis together wore off and we gradually turned back in on ourselves. Not everyone, not everywhere, but generally. The singing stopped. Hospital workers got sick of pizza, especially since their actual unmet need was for proper safety equipment. And our government has yet to agree on a second wave of stimulus checks, even as people are sinking into poverty all across our country. When George Floyd was killed over Memorial Day weekend, we were recalled once more to our fallenness as human beings. The violence since then has only deepened the sad awareness of our sinfulness. And so now, in our mid-pandemic era, I realize that my initial optimism was misguided. What this virus has revealed is not our best selves, but our truest selves. If at our core was already fear, we are by now either lashing out at what scares us or slamming closed our shutters against it. If at our core was self-preservation, we are gathering close those things and people we care about and planning our escape. And if the sparkling gem at the core of our soul was love, we are still reaching out to others, bringing with us kindness and hope and a stubbornness that refuses to fall into despair. Now, I admit to a mix of all three, fear, self-preservation, and love, which maybe is true for everyone. And how we respond to each new crisis that comes our way depends on which facet of our shining gem we choose to display to the world. 
Here at St. Luke's, it is Stewardship Sunday, the kickoff to five weeks of prayerful consideration of the needs of our beloved parish. It's the time of year when we invite you to pledge, to commit to the future of this church, but without begging or or guilt-tripping you. It's always a tricky thing this season. We want you to pledge, of course, because we can only survive for so long without money. But the prayer of the vestry and of your rector is that you not think of this as merely transactional. Give me good sermons, liturgy, and a sense of community, and I'll write you a check. No, our hope is that your pledge is a response to all God has bestowed upon you. An offering of gratitude for how Jesus keeps showing up in your life time and time again. That even in, those, even in these lonely months of lockdown, of fires and smoke, ash and dying, protests and rage, politics on steroids, even with the proof of what we've done to each other and to our planet staring us in the face, you can somehow still find yourself grateful for God's presence in your life that you can still give thanks for what remnants of love remain, persistently sparkling in our hearts and in the actions of so many around us. Now, don't get me wrong. If your pledge does have a sort of transactional tinge to it, that does not mean it's not given with gratitude for God's grace. If Wednesday's holy happy hour is the highlight of your week, or if Father Bill's history classes have broadened your understanding of our ancestors in faith, or if you're glad to have morning prayer to ground you for the challenges of each day, or if the music and ritual of these Sundays have been an oasis in your life, a reminder of community as we pass the peace in the comments section or pray for one another at the prayers of the people, then by all means, Let your gratefulness for how you have been held by this community in these months of pandemic guide you to generosity. And the words of St. Paul to the Philippians this morning, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Pledge. That's what it says in my translation. I think all I'm trying to say is support St. Luke's however you can, as much as you can, whenever you can. But not out of fear that we'll shut down if we don't raise enough money. Not out of self-preservation that this is your church and it cannot sink on your watch. Support St. Luke's out of love. Because look at how we're still together and even thriving in some ways because we care about one another and because this place brings us joy still, makes us stronger, challenges us to be better. That even the virtual version of St. Luke's is more sacred than we could have imagined if we had not gone through this together. And sure, We miss hugging each other at the peace and laughing at coffee hour. We miss meditating in our pews and singing together out loud. We miss partaking of Holy Communion. 
But lo and behold, love never left us. It's right here in this very moment of internet connection. It's signal as strong as ever. And we are an eye cloud of witnesses to the fact that no matter what life foists upon us, love will win. As many of you know, Anne Louise Hayo is dying. She's at home in hospice care surrounded by family. But her spirit is lively as ever, and her gratitude for a life well-lived is actually a joy to behold. Even from her sickbed, she's taking care of unfinished business and loose threads, issuing instructions. For years and years, she has sent a forward, uh, forward day-by-day booklet, large print, to Ralph, an inmate at Soledad Prison. And their correspondence has now encompassed over 200 letters. She enjoined me recently to send him the latest issue of Forward Day by Day, since she no longer could. So I did, along with a note letting him know that Anne Louise was pretty sick. I want to read you his letter to me in response, which I received a week ago. Dear Father Avila, thank you for the forward. But more importantly, thank you for letting me know about Anne. I've been worried for her since she moved from the meadows, as she liked to call it. Please tell me she didn't contract COVID-19. She is the sweetest, kindest, most loving person I've never met. I always hoped someday to meet her and explain what a huge impact she has had on my life. I still pray daily for that to happen. She has never shared about her physical or medical problems, although I've had my suspicions over the years. Anne is so proud of her children, and especially her grandchildren, she couldn't brag about them enough. She was quick to let me know who needed prayer for medical needs and who at church needed prayer. We used to exchange prayer lists. I would have the brothers here pray for all those on her list, and she would do the same. Please let her know she is in my heart. Thoughts and constant prayers. Grace be with you. Ralph Lockerbie. I read you this letter today for one reason. To let you know that there are inmates at a state prison who are praying for you. Men you will never meet are asking God to bring you healing and comfort and hope. Men who have sinned, who said no to God when God asked them to work in the vineyard, who then later changed their mind and went. And they are there now, in a lockdown much more severe and long-lasting than ours has been. And they are holding us in their hearts. Because Anne Louise and her husband before her made a connection with one man. Your name is brought before God by strangers when you are sick or suffering and on our prayer list. That is an example of how love wins even 
in the harshest of circumstances yet again. You know, I still find it almost astonishing that we gather together in this space week in and week out, presided over by a man with nails in his wrists and his feet, whose final act before he died was done not out of fear or self-preservation, but out of love. And by the very nature of our worship, we engage in suffering, and our praise is always tinged with an awareness of pain and sorrow. The knowledge that very little in this life comes without strings of loss attached to it. Yet this is how we pray. This is how we sing. Anyway, seeing the world in all its brokenness and choosing time and time again to look through the lenses of mercy, compassion, and love. This is what I hope is in your heart as you make your offering your pledge to sustain us for one more year. Anne Lamott, in her writing manual, Bird by Bird, wrote, Lighthouses don't go running all over an island looking for boats to save. They just stand there shining. The gem at the core of your soul will continue to shine when you choose love over and over again. And with all of us shining together, we will keep our little lighthouse here at 20 University Avenue in good order, guiding those who are lost, frightened, or lonely into safe ports and into the arms of God. Amen.